you're listening to a podcast from Burley Heads Church of Christ, from Burley Heads on the Gold Coast. Go to w.bcc.org.au and there's a bit of a money, there's money to be made in those early days of buying Coca-Cola.com and selling it back to them. Um, these guys had such a utopian community feel around the internet that they limited themselves to two each. So you imagine I invented the internet. I'll take stevegray.com, but I don't want to be greedy. I'll let everybody else just share information and we'll create this utopian system. The world will probably, within a few years, the internet reach world peace. Everyone will be sharing. There'll be love and joy filling the internet. Anyone who's been on the internet (laughs) knows it might have fell short of the vision of utopia. It's not evil, but there's a lot of outrage, a lot of anxiety, a lot of consumerism, a lot of competition. It hasn't quite panned out as a utopian picture of world peace. In fact, here's another creator's quote from just recently. I like this. So this is how it's turned around. This is not the internet the world needs or the internet its creators envisioned. We need to take it back. And by that mean, I mean the engineering community. One of the, chief, one of the original engineers of the internet saying, we need to go about 40 steps back because <laughs> it's got out of hand. Um, there's something in this. Not, this sermon's not on the internet. It's not about the internet. But there's something, when you know this, that humans, almost just humankind, can't have nice things. We turn good things, not everything, but we can't help but turn good things and we turn it back around on ourselves. How often, am I the only person saying this or do you agree with that? Can you see that humankind sometimes has an ability to take an amazing tool and turn it into something that's about them? Anyone else agree? Yep, yep, we, 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 are, we can turn it to be self-obsessed. So the internet, one of the great exports of the internet is called a selfie, where people have developed unique ways of taking pictures of themselves. <laughs> that's the, that's the, the total uh, end goal of the internet. I don't think so. It's utopian. We have a way of just turning it back on ourselves. It's like humankind just can't have nice things. And this is the same idea where Paul stops almost his letter to the Ephesians and gives them a warning. Very similar to what humankind does. Paul understands human nature. He's just spent, if you weren't here last week, I encourage you to go back and have a listen um, because this is a really important series about the church, about where we're going because of where we've been and what we were created for. And so please go back and have a listen. But in chap- So chapter one, if you weren't here, quick recap. Paul goes, you guys don't understand. And he's talking to this little church in Ephesus that's suffering. He goes, you're more than just a club. You're more than just a community. You're more than just a, a fun place to be from nine to 11 on a Sunday morning. You are literally God's invention for restoration for this world. Not alone in the power of Christ, but there's a reason that Jesus doesn't stay. He goes, go make disciples, see you later. I'm out. He does this. He knows that if the the people get it, powered and led by the Holy Spirit, he goes, they'll do greater things than I. There was this 
massive plan and still is for what we call the collective, the called out people, the church. And so he gives this big, like, just go, guys, go, girls, be the church. Hang on, I'll just, (laughs) and he gives us Ephesians 2, which we're going to look at today. Before you do, hang on. Let me pray as we take it through this passage that will both be encouraging, but the right things will also be challenging for us this morning. Let me pray for God's word and for the delivery of it. Father God, I just pray that just as we open your holy text, Lord, the letter to an early church which is so relevant to us today, I just pray that you challenge us in the right areas, that your Holy Spirit dwells in us and amongst us, that we are both encouraged and and challenged, both challenged to be the church, both to acknowledge blind spots, but also to be excited for what you've invented, what you could do and are doing in us. In Jesus Christ's name, amen. Let me read. So he's given the big motivational talk about the church and then he starts with this. See if you can tell there's a subtle directional change. You were dead in the trespasses and sins in which once you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love in which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses. He's repeated that twice now. It's not because he forgot he said it. It's because he wants you to know you were dead in your trespasses. Made us alive though together, together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. And raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. Important church, he wants you to know this is nothing you've done. It is a gift of God. Not a result of work so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, for his purpose, to be the church which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. What a quick directional change goes from your God's invention to your dead or you were dead in your trespasses. He's giving us a bit of a warning here. This is not your own doing. Just as you're kind of getting puffed out going, I am God's invention for restoration of this world. I'm feeling pretty good. He's going, hold on, tiger. Hold on there, you were dead in your trespasses. And it's not of your own doing. You're not the world's saviour. He just he wants to remind you this. Hang on, you're not the world's saviour. Jesus is. Let me say that again. You're not the world's saviour. Jesus is. I've summarised it like this. Pride and its many forms kills community sometimes before it even has a chance to be. 
So just as community or churches can start, the one thing that can start it even before it even begins being the church is pride. So Paul's going to spend, and we're going to spend this up to Easter, Paul spends the rest of Ephesians telling us how the church functions and how it's awesome. But before he does that, he wants you to know, seriously, one of the things that can just stop you right in your tracks before you even got a chance to be the church is pride. And so that's what we just want to speak about today and look at some of the ways that can manifest or be in our church. Let's keep reading because Paul tells us. Therefore, remember that one time you were Gentiles in the flesh. Gentiles and Jews, Gentiles were allowed in the family through Christ. We're Gentiles, thank goodness for that, or we wouldn't be here now. So we're allowed in, fantastic, called the uncircumcision. But what is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands. Remember that you were at time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the covenants of the promise, having no hope without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace. And might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross. Gentiles and Jews, everybody. Therefore killing the hostility. And he came and preached peace to those who were far off and peace to those that were near. Through him we both have access to the one spirit to the Father, so that you're no longer strangers and aliens, but you're fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Paul references, and lots of early writers reference this conflict, which we don't experience in the same way of the Jews and the Gentiles. They came in and were allowed to be part of this incredible invention called the people of God and the church through Christ. And so Paul wants them to know that this pride is going to, if left unchecked, is going to kill something or delay it, because nothing will truly kill the church, it's God's church, but it will delay the full power of his church, dampen it, if you will. I love the language, household, an inviting, diverse, ever-growing family table, we say here, that in the middle is Jesus. Nothing else but Jesus is at the centre of this family. So let me bring this to 2020. And as I speak to different pastors and leaders, let me just bring three bits of pride. And when I talk about this, I'm talking wider than just this church. Three things that are really obvious or the, the Western church, again, if you don't know why I keep using Western, it's because the Eastern church is suffering in persecution and they're exploding We've got Muslims having dreams in church about Jesus and getting converted. We've got, the more they push China down, the more it explodes. But something in the West is off. And I I actually suspect it has a lot to do with the pride that we carry. We've been blessed a long time. 
Let me give three observations, three things that I'd love you just to consider today as we go forward at looking at how to be the church. And so there are these three things, which I've called church killers because he uses the language kills. So I've called these church killers. One, I think they're going to come up. Is that the end or does it keep going? There we go. There we go. Um, give it up for Mark, by the way. Mark's learning today and so, yeah, we need, we're, we're, we're stoked and we appreciate it and we appreciate Miriam taking the time and the extreme patience of working with Mark. <laughs> yeah, I know Mark well enough to maybe get away with that. So, um, it's true, he says. Church killers. So, let me give three that are seen in Ephesians. One, pride in program and tradition. We'll explain these. Pride in a performer or celebrity and pride in individuality. Let me explain the first one, although it's the one I'm going to spend the least time on because this church doesn't need another sermon because on change. We don't need another. We've, we know we last three years, almost three years, you've had me for. <laughs> Uh, we've gone through lots of change, so we don't need another sermon on change. I, we, we understand it, but let me give you a couple of points. Paul's principle rings true today, though, for every church. The Jews were so upset when the Gentiles came in and didn't wash hands, when they were eating pork and they were uncircumcised. It was devastating for them. In fact, Paul and Peter, the two apostles, have a disagreement through the Bible, we can see this over this because it's so hard. To change, is, change sucks sometimes. That was, the Jews were so badly trying to protect the past, which it wasn't all bad. Washing your hands isn't all bad. <laughs> they were so badly protecting the past that they forgot they were losing the future. You can't protect the past and go to, towards into what Jesus is doing now. They don't work together. And so the Jews and Gentiles had to come together in a new way under Jesus, as every generation does, because we're called to make disciples of the world we live in currently. You guys know this, but it doesn't hurt to remind. A good example of this, to put it in perspective, when I was, um, well, I think it's a good example, I won't call my own example good. I'll let you judge if it's relevant. Um, when I was in youth group, the best youth group night you could have, the best youth group event you could have was this thing called Fireball. Go down to the beach, chicken wire, wrapped in cloth, covered in caro, and you kick it a light towards each other down at the beach. You try to be a brave person. There's lots of girls at youth group. You pick it up. You cry silently in the dark over the beach because you've burnt all your fingers and assume the girls have been impressed. You later find out they weren't watching. Um, but you're kicking this thing around and I reckon every fireball night, packed youth group. Fish and chips, fireball. I could take that and go, that's how God works. And then I could say now to my board and elders, this Wednesday night, I could say, do you know the only way you can grow a youth group? Fireball nights. Every single Friday night. Do you know how last it, long it would last in the age of insurance, in the age of suing churches, in the age of health and safety? I can negative 
30 minutes, like I reckon negative before Church of Christ Queensland comes down. They barely come down for anything, but they would probably come down for this and go, you just can't legally do that anymore. So what I have to do is not hold too tightly, worship that tradition. I can look back and go, that was some of the funnest times of my life, but I have to go, God's still able to work in something new today. He's still at work. Fun, Christians, youth, energy and Jesus Christ still exist today. And when you get that combination in a safe way, maybe that's with Josh and his crew down in the surf. What is? Young Grom's down there surfing with him Saturday morning. It's different. See, the issue wasn't with the Jews washing hands. That was still good. The issue comes when we worship the tradition rather than the God it's for. Amen? So the issue is not with the things we like. It's when we worship the things we like instead of the God. If I worship fireball instead of just admitting fireball was super fun, but it's because God and Christians and youth and energy were part of it. Just an encouragement. There's no quicker way to kill the church than to worship traditions, to hold them higher than the God that gave it to us. Let's keep moving on. But let me ask you, is there something in your life that is stopping you moving forward with God? Consider that and let's move on to the next one, which the next two are more, I think, relevant for the modern church. Number two is pride in performer and celebrity. I reckon this is super relevant for the GC and I see this a lot and everyone can fall into these traps. It's humankind, it's human nature. It's so easy for a church to rest on a leader or a personality. Not just a senior pastor, leadership. I think they say 1080, I think is the normal church. 10 people active in the church or 10%, that doesn't work out. That's 20, 80, bad maths. I think it's around 20% to 80%. 20% running the place and 80% just maybe coming. So it's a general rule for churches and it comes under this. Sometimes we get Jesus, but then he leaves us with the Holy Spirit and we want to replace him with something. The early Israelites, even though they had judges, they called it, and they weren't necessarily judges we think of it, the best description, modern day description, are elders. So the early Israelites, God gives them elders to discern, to steward, to lead. And they go, no, 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 we want a king. We want a person to look to. And the early prophet says no, 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 a person will not be perfect. They'll be corrupt. They'll be a person. No, no, we want one. So he gave him King David, and King David was almost there, but not quite. And he actually caused a lot of dramas for the people. I'm not asking for a French revolution where you take all the board and behead us down long down with the king. I'm not asking that. Certainly not saying that, of course. I'm not even asking you to tear down your leadership. But it's ineffective if we subcontract our faith onto leaders. It's ineffective if you go, as long as my leaders pray, as long as my leaders are filled with the Holy Spirit, as long as my leaders are active, as long as my leaders are praying for the church and the kingdom and the future, as long as my missionaries somewhere over there are doing the work of God, then I'm right. That's a really quick way to probably get a fun church because it's based around personality. And it's actually really fun for the leader. 
we call it uh, in pastor circles, it's a singing, dancing panda. Because you're like, dance for me, panda. <laughs> I've got the hula hoops out and, wow, it's great. You're awesome, pastor. You're awesome. You're awesome. Here, take this, take this. Do our faith for us. That's, that might actually look good for a little while. It's not what the church, it will kill the soul of the church because you all have the Holy Spirit. You're all the workmanship of Christ. You've all got giftings towards the church. Yes, leadership is healthy and good and stewardship and discernment. But own your faith. You are the workmanship of God. Something to consider. Your place in the body. Consider your work in this church. We're a body, right? We're a family. Families have dads and mums and but the whole family is a part of that family. Something to consider, something to be careful, something really strange for a senior pastor to preach on, but it's true. And then the third, and I reckon the most prominent, so prominent that as I read through some statements now, you will be like, I half believe that because our culture is so good at telling us. Let me read some things. The worldview we live in says that kids that come last in a race now need a trophy as well. I'm so thankful that when I ran races as a kid with a bung right leg and asthma and I lost and was devastated, that no one went up to me and goes, do you know what, with a little bit of hard work, you could be the fastest runner here. Here's a participation trophy. (laughs) What a waste of my life trying to be a fast runner. I'm not saying I couldn't be better, not get fitter, help my asthma, work on my muscle, my leg, but... We live in a world that even churches do this. Everyone has to be awesome. You're awesome. You're fan- you'll change the world. I truly believe the church can change the world. And I truly believe you are awesome because you have Jesus. There's something off. Or every Disney movie we grew up with says, just follow your heart. Just follow your heart, princess. That's great, except the Bible says the heart can't be trusted. And the Bible says your works are filthy rags. And Paul just reminded us, encouragingly, that you were dead in your own works. I'm not saying this to discourage you. I'm saying there's something amiss here. Just be careful. If you're here, you are special. You are the workmanship of God. He knows the hairs on your head. But what makes you special is the Spirit. What makes you special is He can redeem you and restore you and grow you. You do have giftings. We're going to talk a heap about your giftings. Not discouraging you. Just don't get too excited by doing nothing. (laughs) You're not all awesome. We're not awesome. God's awesome. God's worthy of our all. Individuality kills the church. I should say worshipping individuality kills the church. There's nothing wrong with, we're not all clones. Worship of individuality. We're together. The Gold Coast struggles with this so much, I believe, because we're, as a general rule, even though some of us are going through some hardships, we're pretty blessed. And when you're blessed, you're comfortable. Even your non-blessed can look like an absolute blessing to a poor child. Its parents have died and has the limit of age around mid-twenties or less, our life can still look blessed to them, even our worst life. 
And so we get distracted with our own things, our families, our finance, our life, our businesses. There's this great story. Listen to this in Haggai. And I think this summarizes this point beautifully. Haggai, really quickly, Israelites keep getting selfish, self-obsessed. Pride takes in. (laughs) They do something silly. God goes, fine. Egypt can have you. They go, we're sorry, we come back, we need to do this better. He goes, oh, great, here's some things you can do. Don't make it about you, make it about me, put me in the centre. Great, do some things, take a day off every week, take a year off every seven years. I want you to enjoy life, but I want you to live in a way that breeds life, not death. Okay, God, we got it. They don't do it, they make it about themselves. They go, I wish we were back in Egypt. He goes, fine, Babylon can take you. And just time and time and time again. And there's this one time that they get let out, I believe it's Persia. And life's actually good and they actually do some stuff. They go, okay, God, we're with you. Thank you for that. And they're blessed. Chapters before, they're crying out to have their temple back and crying out to have their people. And then this is what happens. In the second year, this is the book of Haggai chapter 1. In the second year of King Darius, on the first day of the sixth month, the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai to Zebubel, son of Shatil, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, the high priest. This is what the Lord Almighty says. And the people say, the time has not yet come to rebuild the Lord's house. They've got their land back, they're doing life, And they said, oh, we we prayed about it. Thanks, prophet. We don't think it's time yet to build your temple. We've we've had a committee meeting and it's just not a suitable time. (laughs) Then the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai and says this, is it time for you yourselves to be living in your panelled houses while the house remains a ruin? Now, this is what the Lord Almighty said. Give careful thought to your ways. You have planted much, but harvested little. You eat, but never have enough. You drink, but never have your fill. You put, um, you put on clothes, but are not warm. You earn wages only to put them in a purse with holes in it. This is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. Now, if you have a panelled house right now, I'm not about to go to town at you. It's okay. That really represented that the temple was the only place of decoration. We now have architecture in our personal houses. That wasn't the idea. Houses were just places you rested. The temple had architecture to it. So these people are blessed, never having enough. They eat heaps, but they're hungry. They spend heaps, and their purses always have, feel like it's an empty bucket. They're distracted that they've forgotten to rebuild the temple. How much of a, if I could sum up Gold Coast, churches in the Western civilization, we're distracted. And I'm not talking about building something, by the way. I'm talking about being something. How often do we say, I say this, and it's not evil, but it's something to reflect on. Say, so, oh, when the kids are older, it's a busy time for us, Mez, at the moment. When the kids are older, we'll concentrate on that. Sometimes it's wisdom, sometimes it's like, oh, it's not the season. Kids get older, they turn into teenagers. I hear that's really easy. (laughs) Suddenly we say, oh, when the kids stop these, when our girls stop just, when they just calm down and these weird 
thin-looking boys stop like knocking on our door, asking our girls out, then we'll just relax, hey? Oh, just when they once they once they're married with these weird-looking, now slightly bigger boys that we're not going to have married and started families, they'll stop bothering us. We'll, we'll have time then, right? Yeah, they say, I'm good. I'm good. I don't know what this is like. So I just assume at 18 we just stop being parents and it's all solved. Is that right? Is that how it works? Whatever your circumstance, parents or not, there's always an excuse. It's always about building my little circle. Church killer. If we're going to be a family, if we're going to work together, it's not about holding on or worshipping the things of the past. You can still like it, just don't worship it. It's not about giving it to one or ten people and saying, do our work so we can panel our houses. And thirdly, it's not about your little circle if you're a follower of Jesus. Even the, our language, our land, have you thought of my, my block of land? Have you thought about that, really? What have you actually done? Did you create it? <laughs> It's just a funny, when you think, it's God's land. It's God's everything. And he wants to create a group of people that can be a church. This is, I do not want people to walk away from today feeling discouraged. The idea is, we're just going to be careful of these things. Amen? Just watch out. Don't keep our blind spots watching the cars on our right and left. Just watch out that individuality doesn't creep in to our church. Watch out that celebrity doesn't creep into our church. And watch out that we don't worship too much of what was that we can't do anything now. It's all about watching our blind spots. Listen to the final vision Paul finishes this with after his little tangent about being careful. Listen to this. Ephesians 2.20 says this. Be encouraged by this church. Built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets through time, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him, you are also being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. We're not a building, we're not a place. The holy temple is when we put our stuff aside and we be with Jesus, be with his Spirit and be the church. It is something that has lasted 2,000 years, even though emperors and kings and leaders have tried to kill it. It's grown. It's shaped our entire Western civilization till we even forget that we're actually based on the Bible. Our laws, our governance is based on the Bible. It is God's good and right invention. And when it works, it's incredible. Be encouraged, church, if we can navigate through these things. Man, 2020, we can be the church. So two bits of homework, I guess. Two bits of practical stuff that I, and not a formula for this, but I'd like to encourage us with. The first one is a carry-on for last week. Conti Does anyone remember homework from last week or here's a, what we were asking you to do? Let me, let me quiz. Should I quiz? Should I quiz, Mez? Is it a good idea? Anyone want to take a swing? Gratitude. Yeah, perfect. Practice Gratitude. The number one way to remember what God's done, is doing, is thanking for it. I said it today. We, we all prayed for the rain. 
We were all on our knees. Churches were having whole nights for prayer for the rain. It rains and we're like, oh man, I wish I didn't wash my car last week. And we just quickly forget. And that's okay. Thank God for the rain. Thank God for what he's given you. I know some of us are crazy sickness we're facing, but thank God that right now you've got breath in your lungs and you're here and you're willing. Even in the worst times, you can find something to thank God for. So a gratitude journal. If you're in a small table, small group, go around the table. We talked about last week. I have killed just saying grace for the sake of it as much as I can in our home and tried. We have a Friday night practice of just going around and saying what we're thankful for. Again, we don't always do it. We're not perfect. We're giving it a go. Don't put me on a pedestal. Don't do that leadership worship. But we're trying to thank God for what he's doing. What a great way to connect us back into what he's doing today. Number two, and I'm going to bang on this all year. We commit to God because we're lifting God higher and acknowledging his workmanship. And number two, what we call here small tables. We cannot do everything We cannot be the workmanship of God. We cannot fill our tanks. We cannot commit to each other. We cannot pray for each individual person. We can't have the perfect time and try to cram it all between 9 to 11 on Sunday. This is not a formula, but I believe if you want to go deeper, you need to find a group of people to commit to and be a bit deeper with. You need to say this year, I'm going to commit to some people. I'm going to commit to God, going to thank him, and I'm going to commit to some people. However that looks, that can look like a Bible study, KYB Wednesday, and saying I'm connecting and committing to those ladies. That can look like what I do with some of the guys. We go down to Palm Beach Surf Club some Thursday nights, and we have a palmy, and sometimes it's absolute just silliness of conversation as we've had big days and we're stressed and we just talk about fun things. The other night it ended with a bunch of us just standing in the car park in Palm Beach at 11 o'clock praying for each other and our marriages and our life. There's intention there to meet and commit to those guys. There's girls' groups. My wife has a group Tuesday, Tuesday nights with two mums from school and they've been doing Alpha and have cheese and bickies. And again, sometimes I come home and they're laughing and I think, oh, my pastor head goes, did they have a conversation about God tonight, I think? Then I check myself. <laughs> but then the next week I go and they're all praying for each other, praying for their kids and sharing their anxiety and commit to each other. So I've got these forms. I'm going to come and hand them to you after the service. I might put some up. Actually, let's, um, let's ask for a bit more than that. Ask the last song. I'm going to ask you to come up and grab one. And just let us know. You, don't, you can form your own group. You can write a group on there and let us know it's there so we can train it and pray for it. Or you can say, hey, I don't have anyone. Can you connect me with some people? We're not going to tell you, okay, every Wednesday night at 7 o'clock you need to open and you're going through this verse. We'll let it naturally be, but we'll help you form it. Does it make sense? Committing to God and committing to each other. That's my homework, I guess. So what we're going to do, the band's going to come up now and I'm going to pray. And then in that last song, just to reiterate what I just said, I'm going to ask you to come on down at some point during the last song or afterwards and just grab one of these if you're not already in some small table, we call it small group, and think, at least consider being in something. So 
There's a prayer group. I know there's a prayer group after church on Sunday. That's a small table. They're, they're regular people. They meet, they commit to each other. That's also something that looks like a small table. Have a think about committing to each other. And uh, let me pray and we'll sing our last song, which is a new one today. So we're going to sing really loudly, but I love it. It's, it's on the same sort of theme of this victory that we have in Christ. Let me pray. Father, we thank you for your church. I know that we wouldn't be here in 2020 unless we wanted, unless we were serious about you, Jesus. Father, I just pray that we can watch, just watch our sides, Lord. Watch what's coming up. Protect the church, Lord. We want to be your church in 2020, Father. Together with our giftings, not be the sum of our weaknesses, but be the sum of our strengths in you, Lord. We want to grow our family. We want to see new kids, new relatives, new people enter the family, extending the table for more and more people, loving them and showing them Christ, Lord. But we know we need to be careful. And so, Father, I pray for protection that we don't get overzealous or worship things of the past. I pray that we don't worship individuals apart from you, God. And I pray we don't worship ourselves and forget that we're part of the church. Challenge us this morning. Encourage us. Let us consider committing to a small group of people. Let us consider how much we thank you. And let's do more of it in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. 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 Amen.